Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Sooners Extra Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salads. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. Here's your host, Abby Bitterman. (laughs) Hello and welcome to the Sooners Extra Podcast. Uh, I'm Abby Bitterman, like Jenny said, the host for now, while Ryan Aber recovers from shoulder surgery. Say that five times fast. I mean, I I had it, but I still can't say it. Um, (laughs) Here today with columnist Jenny Carlson and deputy sports editor Jeff Patterson. That is my name. Hello. <laughs> yes. Show us I your badge, it. deputy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not yet. Yep. Jenny had to do the ad read because I couldn't stop laughing. So <laughs> I'm already doing a great job as the host today. Um, no, but on today's podcast, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, you, uh, we've all had a few days to, to sit with our thoughts on Saturday's uh, lo- uh, OU loss to Kansas State. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about uh, our thoughts a few days later. And then a little bit later in the pod, you'll hear a mailbag that Ryan Aber and I taped before he went under the knife on our <laughs> drive back from Manhattan. Awesome. That sounds great. <laughs> I, I was you, actually you hoping like the first... You like you had a one-liner to Well, like you know, add. I was hoping the whole first segment would be about, like, Ryan's shoulder surgery and, uh, like, if we were going to put him on a rehab assignment when he yeah. comes back, like, co- have him cover, like, a Juco game or something. <laughs> I think, I think that that could be good for him. You know, you got to get the typing fingers warmed exactly. back up. Yeah, so. That'd be, it'd be exciting. Do we have anything like that we could get set up for him? We could work We're going to look it. into it. Okay, all yeah. right. Well, and he is fine, just to report to uh, all he is you, a lot. Yes. you listeners out here. We He's have been doing in, good. Been in communication. The surgery went as well as could be expected. Mm-hmm. Recovery still yet to be determined, but, you know. We'll I guess out. I guess maybe the same could be said of the Sooners. How's that for a segue? Ooh. Ooh. A segue. All right. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, just to get things kicked off, Jenny, you you were there, and now you've had a few days to sit with it. What are what are your thoughts looking back on the game? Yeah, I'm still really surprised that, uh, you know, we saw – I mean, it was, it was a bad day all the way around, and, you know, a bad day for the defense compounded by a bad day for the offense, and, you know, really unexpectedly so. You know, we'd, we'd seen this team play – you know so well and I, I think that um, you know bad days are, are you know they happen um, I think the defense obviously is where um, it, it was most shocking to, uh, to see K-State a team that had really struggled to put any points on the board scoring 48 and uh, you know I know you have to give some I know you have to give some um, you know leeway to Alex Grinch and the fact that he is still implementing his system this is still a defense that's evolving, but um, boy, you know, the K-State was, was, they were moving the ball passing. Guys, I mean, they're not a passing team, at least not yet. I think that day will come under Chris Kleiman. I mean, he, he had Carson Wentz, for crying out loud, in his previous life. So, I mean, he does want to pass the ball, but that's not really been their thing, and they were, they were as, as good through the air as they were on the ground. So, to me... It was it was shocking because we just really didn't have 
have any idea it was coming. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's going to be it's going to be a hard one for the Sooners to overcome. Yeah, I mean, a lot has continued to be made about the onside kick, especially yesterday after the Big Twelve um, gave us Greg Burks right. to kind of hear a little bit more about that. But really, and Lincoln Riley talked about this after the game. It um, should not have come down to that. I know I I was mentioning to you before off the pod that when C.D. Lamb had that big uh, touchdown reception that everyone kind of on both sides of the stadium were just silent about it because, you know, at that point it still didn't seem like OU would, like it was kind of like, what's the big deal? It didn't seem like OU would be able to come anywhere close. But Jeff, did you you have any thoughts about (laughs) the game? (laughs) Well, you know, I honestly thought like Parnell Motley when he got ejected, I thought that was such a like – a uh, th- that was going to be a big thing down the road, just given the depth yeah. uh, that they had in the secondary, and and lo and behold, it you know turned out to be an issue. I mean, who knows? I mean, they still might have lost, um, but you know that's still a work in progress defense, and so you do need all of your upperclassmen to be available and to not get thrown out trying to kick somebody. You know, I mean, it's a heat of the moment kind of thing, but it's also one of those like you you expect more from Parnell Motley in that situation. So, um, you know, the question now is, is this a, you know, is this a fatal, fatal blow to their playoff hopes? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that's what's going to be a very interesting thing to see play out the next month and change. You know, I think, I think it's interesting just want to say one thing about the secondary, you know, for all of the, um, for all the uh, platooning that we've seen Alex Grinch do with his defense, you know, defensive linemen, linebackers, you know, some of those positions where, you know, it's even there have even been times along the way where people are like, Oh my gosh, is Kenneth Murray hurt? No, he's just on the bench, he's just taking a breather this possession. You know, they've done that uh, along the way. But one area where they haven't really done that much is the secondary. Safeties mm-hmm. and cornerbacks. You haven't seen I mean, you've seen Jaden Davis as kind of the one guy that we've seen rotate in there now, obviously started. Um, but their depth in the secondary just not it, it's just not there I mean they just don't have enough guys that they feel like they can trust so just exactly right I mean that was um you know and then to have uh Delarian Turner yell go down with an injury didn't play the second half uh, or very limited amount in the second half you know it just it added to it um and then you know the offense went kaput in the third quarter and you know then the then the route was on there for a while yeah and I mean I when that game ended, so much had happened between b- the time that Parnell Motley kicked the Kansas State player in the end that for a for a moment I completely forgot that Parnell Motley had kicked someone and been kicked out until I saw him kind of standing in the tunnel in his in his street clothes, kind of like lurking and trying to watch the team <laughs> from the corner. Um, so yeah, I think that that was that was probably um, you know the start of of the downhill turn there was and there I, was, I forgot it I almost forgot it happened there was no to me there was no one thing that felled the Sooners on mm-hmm. Saturday it was a lot of self-inflicted wounds and just a, a lot of inflicted wounds by K-State it was a lot of things Jeff yeah I mean it's the lack of love to the run game it's the turnover at the end of the first half that gives yep. K-State life to come out of the you know come out of the uh, locker room in the third quarter and you know they put a 17-0 spot on the Sooners at that point so 
you know, in a game like this when there's so many points scored, yeah, it's not just, oh, well, this one thing is the reason you lost. No, yeah. it's death by a thousand paper cuts. Yeah, it was. And I think I think what you said earlier about, you know, the question of now what, you know, I mean, people are going to talk about the onside kick and the call and the was it right and what was reviewed and what wasn't. You know, Abby, you said that exactly right. I mean, I think the what was said after the game by referee Reggie Smith kind of brought more questions than answers on Saturday. And for two days, everybody kind of spent you know, spun their wheels saying, well, what did, what did this mean? Uh, it looked like he might have gotten uh, – the, the Trajan Bridges might have been blocked into the kick, and, but that wasn't what was said. And ultimately we find out that's not reviewable, which, again, if we're taking all this time to review plays, I'm not exactly sure why they decide – Certain things are reviewable and certain things are not. Yeah, that, that doesn't, doesn't ma- that doesn't quite make sense to me. No, and um, uh, Brooks uh, Burks said that Link, uh, Lincoln Riley had brought up to him that you know he didn't he didn't quite understand either why that wouldn't be reviewable and that he thought it should be. And um, Burks said that that was something that can be looked at in the off season to change that rule. But I mean, yeah, you're exactly right. Why? Why be able to review certain aspects of the play and not others? Yeah, yeah. And so they'll probably talk about that. I mean, that's one of those things that, you know, you don't see it very often. But to me, I mean, you're you're making – it's all – I mean, everything is a judgment in the end. I mean, they're judging where do we spot the ball. They're judging where did he touch the ball. I mean, so to me, if you're going to take the time to stop and look at it in like, you know, nanosecond by nanosecond frames – why not open it up more broadly to what can be reviewed? Uh, to me, the technology is pretty outstanding. It doesn't show everything, obviously. We know that, but you know it's pretty amazing. And I think you could, I think you could probably add some things to the list. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, uh, Sooners have got to have got to figure out what felled them in that game and get it on the right track because. Now they got to win out, and then they got to hope like crazy that things go right for them because they can't get in on their own validity right now. And you're going to figure that at least one SEC team is going to be in the playoff. Clemson's essentially playing, you know, merchant schools or whatever. <laughs> I mean, the ACC. Schools yeah, I mean, blind. the ACC is uh, pretty bad this year. Um, you know, so they're going to skate through. I mean, they're not going to play a ranked team. I don't think until the ACC title game, if if then, which is which is insane. And so you know, you, they're essentially getting that old AFC East buy that the Patriots <laughs> get every year by playing yeah. teams that don't know, you know, what they're doing. Um, you know, Ohio State looks really really good. Um, again, like the SEC has, you know, several contenders right now, and they you know, could get two teams in. Yeah, and yeah. Notre Dame. I mean, they. Well, they got. Did they get? Oh, they got smashed. Oh, yeah, they lost Michigan. real bad Sorry. to Michigan. I, I got to admit, after that, after the Saturday was over, the game my threw brain you off, over. right? It, it yeah. was like, oh, okay, alternate universe. Yeah, I mean, but there are just so many scenarios, and we know there's still a lot of football left. I mean, every year we said in somewhere in October, we're like, oh my gosh, there's going to be the, the, twelve the, undefeated yeah. teams. It never plays out yeah. that way, but still, Sooners have to have a lot go right for them to make that possible but you know this was uh before this game they were undefeated and it was the longest they had gone into a season being undefeated since i believe it was 2004 so they've you know they've made it to the playoff before and they've turned their season around and chaos happens pretty much every year so you know it's 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 not over for them i would say i mean what they need 
K-State now is ranked. They're 5-2. and two. Uh, They got the Sunflower showdown. showdown. Yeah. Kansan. Jenny Carlson over here knows all about the Sunflower game. Um, and so if you win in Lawrence this week for the Wildcats, then they go to Texas, and Texas hasn't really looked anything impressive in, in recent weeks. Um, so you're saying you know, they're not back? <laughs> they're not. Did you like my snarky little thing on on uh, the the uh, camera? Which cover it was for Sunday's paper that said Texas is back to likely being unranked. So K State, who has a really good coach, um, their schedule sets up that you know they can have a nine win season. So you know you, you know you go go to Kansas, which they should win. Yeah. Uh, Texas, you know, that could be a toss-up. West Virginia is obviously rebuilding. Uh, go to Tech. Um, then you host Iowa State. So 9-3 and three isn't out of the question for them, and that could help. You know what the, what the Sooners need is they need a rematch in the Big 12 championship game with K-State. K-State yeah. But, again, talk about needing help and chaos. That's yeah. going to require – K-State's got to win out to do that. K-State's yeah. got to win Probably. out. But then Baylor – Baylor's got to lose twice. Well, you if you're Oklahoma, you got to go beat them, obviously, to, to set up a scenario where you get in the championship game. But then you got to hope Texas maybe, maybe probably, Texas yeah. beats them. Uh, you know, somebody like that left on Baylor's schedule. So it's it's the, to me, if K State wins out, they're I mean they may not be a top ten team at that point if they would get to the championship game, Big Twelve championship game. But to me, that's where if you beat a Baylor team, if you're Oklahoma and, and Baylor's ranked in the top 10, which they're trending that way, um, if you win that game and then if you um, can somehow get into a rematch situation and throttle K-State, that would be the best case scenario. Even then, I don't know if it's possible, but to me, those are the type of things that if you're an Oklahoma fan now, you got to be pulling for that kind of scenario to set up. Yeah, and... You know, Kansas State, if they can pull it off, I think is going to might turn out to be a lot like the Iowa State team of two years ago where, you know, no one really expected it. They beat uh, Oklahoma and Norman, and then they went on to be ranked and do pretty well and yeah, have continued to do yeah. pretty decently, except for, I believe, they had a loss. They had like a weird loss to Oklahoma State. Yeah, and right? I mean, that that year to me, the difference in that is the number of quality opponents down the stretch i think oklahoma played three top 11 teams in in november and december that year i don't see three top 11 teams on the on the schedule and a non-conference schedule that in name was nice ucla houston i mean those are nice names on your non-conference but those two teams have not been good this year so you don't get any strength of schedule points you just you kind of get a "Eh, well they they scheduled nice but you tried you tried that's the folly and having to yeah. schedule so many years in advance like yeah. you can't blame you know the you know administration yeah. anything like that you it's a kind of a guesswork yeah. and ucla is you know historically a solid program and you know houston's had you know and a good. lot of good years yeah. this century so um you know it's just you throw up your hands like you got to beat whoever is on that schedule as long as you're not trying to schedule Incarnate Ward. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before we take a break from this segment, uh, just on scheduling in advance, um, I'm sure the Illinois State Redbirds will be a powerhouse in 2023. (laughs) We can look forward to that. My wife is from that part of the country. My my brother goes to Illinois State, and he texted our parents 
um, in our group text last night asking if they could all go to the game. So <laughs> so set your schedule for 2023, <laughs> everybody. The yeah. Bittermans are coming. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take a break here in the uh, Sooners Extra podcast brought to you by Zaxby's. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra podcast brought to you by Zaxby's. Um, so in this segment, I think we're going to talk a bit about, you know, Jeff mentioned a little bit in the first segment, but talk a little bit about the Sooners run game. And they only had six carries, as has been talked about, not as much as the onside kick, but getting near close. Um, but, you know, yes, six carries, like the lowest, I think, of any sooner team and or sooner game in recent memory but kind of not incredibly out of the ordinary for this team this season as they trend toward less and less carries as Jalen Hurts kind of eats them up yeah it's kind of a a double-edged sword I mean you've got a quarterback that essentially once he decides he's going to run he's a running back I mean it's a it's obviously yards that go to him but I mean those carries are your your best running back is practically your quarterback so that's you know it's it's not bad to have a quarterback who has that kind of talent he's not just running straight ahead until he runs into something or falls down I mean he's actually making moves and finding holes and cutting so you know that's a help but Jeff six carries for two guys that have been as good as Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon I mean Trey Sermon's dropped off in recent weeks but I mean those two guys are pretty talented backs and only getting three touches each in that game the other day that's not enough yeah that's going to be one of those you know they, i'm sure they those guys have already said you know feed me yeah. um you look at you know they the sooners have played eight games now uh hertz has led them in rushing five of the eight um which you know obviously that's that's good for hertz um but you do need that balance and in a game like uh saturday yeah you got to keep going to that run game. Um, yeah, I, I, it kind of leaves me for a loss of words. Like, you know, you look at that box score and like, oh, what is going on with that? Yeah. 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 And I think, I don't know what you guys think about this, but, um, you know, I when Lincoln Riley took over uh, as offensive coordinator during Bob Stoops' tenure, you know, he had, they had Samaje P. Ryan, they had Joe, Joe Mixon. They had some obviously very talented running backs. And there were some games where I think Bob Stoops or whomever had to remind Lincoln Riley, you got to get these guys the ball. You, you've got to feed these guys. They're too good not to give them the ball. Now, they've got a new offensive line this year except for Creed Humphrey, so I don't know if they're as great a run-blocking team, 
But to go completely away from guys that earlier in the year were averaging seven, eight, nine yards a carry. And, and what did Chuba do in Oklahoma State's win? Uh, 25 carries, yeah. 296 yards against Kansas State just a few weeks prior. Wow. So it's not as if, like, you know, you're facing, like, the 85 Bears um, <laughs> in that K-State defense. So, I mean, it, it is, you know, it is on the play calling, and, you know, the numbers numbers don't lie in that case. Yeah. Do you think the Kansas State defense knows the Super Bowl shuffle? They should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, Abby, you were there. You heard, I mean, Lincoln Riley said he he – want he wishes he would have gotten the ball to those guys more now i know the game dictated it to some degree uh-huh. fell behind yeah and that's a big part of it but it's also the first half you're up yeah yeah it wasn't the only part yeah. of it and i mean i'm like i kind of said before i would kind of argue that it's it's a trend on the season i mean trey sermon the most yards he's rushed for in a game 91 um and that was against houston i believe the first game of the season Yep, and then Kennedy Brooks, he had uh, 105 rushing yards against Texas, and that's his season high. Mm-hmm. So when you're used to seeing guys like Rodney Anderson and Samaje and Joe getting like two and sometimes even 300 yards in a game, yep. to, to be eight games through the season in the highest uh, number of rushing yards one of, like one of your top backs has in a game is 105 just seems, seems off for – a school that's been known for so long is RBU. Yeah, I mean, I think, and I, I, to me, they've got three guys that, you know, if if you want to, if you want to switch it up, I think Ramondre Stevenson is a great weapon for this offense, and you know, they haven't hardly put the ball in his hands. And I understand he he's he's just getting into this offense. He was a late, he didn't come till the summer into Norman, so you know, learning. Uh, blocking and you know all the things the intricacies that come with playing a position it's not just here's the ball go run through a gap so he had he had a learning curve but they've got three guys that I think are really really good and you know to not um, to not let at least one of them get into some sort of rhythm to me there was a time in the first half when I thought Trey Sermon might be the guy that they were really going to try to feed at K-State he, he had a couple carries um, I think that they punted or, or scored and then he came back in the next possession got another one but then that was it I mean they just really the the idea of letting these guys get in a, a, a flow um, you know has been pr- that's been pretty limited this year Ramondre Stevenson actually is the running back with the most, uh, with the greatest number of yards in a single game with 109 against Kansas. Yeah. yeah. So had that big run that, that kind of uh, put him over that 75 yard number. run. Ooh. Yeah. So, I mean, those guys are good. I mean, you can't, I, I know that Hertz is good. Um, and I know that, you know, his style and maybe inclination is, you know, he, in those run pass situations, he's the guy. I get that. But, Boy, they're going to have to figure out a way to 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 get the get those running backs back in the flow. And you mentioned before Bob Stoops, you know, kind of having to remind Lincoln to to use the running backs more. But you know, in in Lincoln's time as head coach, he had Rodney Anderson, and Rodney Anderson still got still had plenty of breakout. He actually Rodney Anderson. The Sooners were down by eleven the last time at halftime. The last time they were in Manhattan, and Rodney Anderson was the main reason they were able to come back and win so yeah yeah for sure for sure (laughs) (laughs) 
Jeff. Faux show. All right. What are we talking about next? Mailbag time. Yes, mailbag time. Ah. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna take a break, and after this break, you'll hear a pre-recorded mailbag segment from the uh, drive back from Manhattan. I'm sure the fans were uh, a little upset in the mailbag. Yeah, just a little bit. Okay, all right. Just I don't want to spoil it. One question that was not addressed in the mailbag, though, which I feel I should take a moment to address now is... Um, oh, wait. Let me pull it up because I want to get the wording correct. Uh-oh. It makes me think that this is going to be juicy. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> let Maybe. Jeff answer it. If it's juicy, let Jeff answer it. OU hasn't won since you joined the beat. <laughs> Thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> True. But um, it seems like yes. a small sample size. Yes, seems li- yes. A seems like a small sample size. B, I don't I don't do anything that dictates the outcome of the game. Well, so let's see if they win this weekend. Oh wait, <laughs> they they win. They, they can't lose this weekend. That's true. Right. So we can't blame you. Right. For this week. Last yes. I I was sitting next to Abby on Saturday, and I can verify for the fans she had nothing to do with what happened on the field at K State. Yes, she was I there. Just, she was there the whole time. Yep. Didn't move. I just I just sit in my seat. Well, I what we were on the field at the end when I had oh, to yeah. when I had to play protection for Ryan Aber, but <laughs> from the oncoming hordes of K State fans. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All uh, right. Well, that was a preview, I guess, of the mailbag, and you'll hear the rest after this break um, when the Sooners Extra podcast brought to you by Zaxby's is back. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast, presented by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. I'm uh, Ryan Aber here from, uh, well, not from surgery recovery. I haven't quite gotten there yet, but uh, by the time you listen to this, I will be. But wanted to make it a point to uh, record this segment of the podcast before uh, I go into the night. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, joined here by Abby Bitterman, who I'm sure has done a great job hosting the first two segments of this podcast, even though that hasn't happened yet. Um, but Abby, we wanted to take some mailbag questions because Sooners fans got questions after what happened on uh, Saturday in Manhattan. They sure do. We put a call out on Twitter and we got some we got some really good questions that I think need answers. Yeah, let's uh, let's start with one uh, one you were asked. Oh, you mean the one from my dad? Yes. Yes. Uh, Pete Bitterman texted me <laughs> to ask: Is Alex Grinch and the defense putting too much emphasis on turnovers and not playing solid? You know, I think this is interesting. I, I think uh, for a lot of the year, a lot of the last few weeks at least, there had been so much gnashing of teeth over the lack of turnovers. And yes, 
the media, us, wrote about it quite a bit. But we did because it was, in large part, brought up by Alex Grinch pretty well uh, constantly. I think that uh, there can it can be a detrimental effect to emphasize turnovers that much. Obviously, you want them to happen. You need them to happen at various points during the season. But also, when you try too hard to make those things happen, sometimes those fundamentals go away. The tackling, the sure tackling that we had seen for most of the year, I thought, really disappeared on Saturday. I know Alex Grinch said tackling wasn't as big a problem as just fitting in the right spot, being in the right position. But uh, Lincoln Riley said it was clearly our worst tackling performance of the year. So, uh, you know, I, I think there might be something a little bit to that. Yeah, and I think that, you know, the reason why us in the media were so focused on the tackling was because there was nothing else really to to scrutinize. You know, the defense had been doing a really good job up to that point for the most part, um, stopping uh, offenses in situations that a year ago would have been a touchdown and on Saturday again was a touchdown and stopping offenses on third down very often and just doing a lot of the things you hadn't seen from the OU defense um, in recent years. So I think that's another reason why the turnovers, the lack of turnovers was so glaring was because everything else had come together so well. But yeah, in in not having turnovers in so long, maybe they could have overdone it in the emphasis. Yeah, uh, another question here from uh, Justin Lugo from Twitter is simple. Six carries by running backs. Why? Yeah, I think that question was asked by more than one person on Twitter. Well, I mean, it's, it, it's, to be it's fair, it's question. not just on Twitter. It's yeah. us. Yeah. It's it's something that we wondered. I mean, Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon only having three carries each is just inexplicable. Yeah, and I know that uh, Trey Sermon was um, the target for Jalen Hurts a few times, caught a couple passes, but still not using the run game is something that you don't really see from OU very often. Um, and I think – the, the yardage they combined for two on those six carries was pretty minimal, if I'm if I'm not wrong. Yeah, it, it absolutely was. Eleven carries on the eleven yards on those six carries. Um, uh, Trey Sermon with nine of those yards. Kennedy Brooks, three carries for two yards, averaged less than a yard a carry. This is a guy who's averaging, you know, dang near 10, 10 yards per carry going into the season. I've got to think that they could have found a way to get those guys involved now. If OU had recovered that onside kick, gone down and scored, and are able to force overtime, then I think that uh, makes it easier to run the ball. But to me, it was about run, the inability to run the ball even earlier. Why weren't they able to run the ball in the third quarter when the game was still tight before Kansas State built that really big lead? Uh, there, there were plenty of opportunities for them to establish the running game, and they just weren't able to do it. And the, the easy answer is that Jalen Hurts uh, ate up a lot of those carries. But, I mean, Jalen Hurts is really good running the ball. He's like another running back running the ball. We've talked about this a lot. The problem, though, Jalen Hurts hasn't been able to hand, keep on to the football as well as those other guys. I mean, we saw that illustrated really early in this game with uh, the, the, the fumble and the near fumble there on the, the first drive. The only reason the near fumble wasn't one is because it was ruled an incomplete pass. Then it was an incomplete pass. But uh, the, the point is the ball security 
is not with Jalen Hurts what it is with Trey Sermon and Kennedy Brooks, who have been excellent at maintaining uh, ball control. So, um, you know, I, I think that that's an area they really needed to do a better job in. Yeah, and I believe Lincoln Riley said after the game that a big a big reason why they probably didn't use their running backs as much as they could have is because they needed to, after Kansas State built that lead, start scoring fast. But even, like you kind of pointed out, in the times when they did use those running backs, they weren't able to find holes. And so you kind of have to wonder, you know, why these guys were usually able to break through for nine or ten yards a carry why they couldn't find their regular holes um, to run through in this game. Yeah, that was uh, a little bit uh, mind-blowing there. Um, Another guy asked, let's see, who is it? Uh, Sean, a great uh, friend of the program on Twitter. We hear from him uh, quite a bit. said, someone needs to explain the decisions made with the kicking game. He says, I realize we only ran 53 plays. Um, There was talks about the the, uh, the the running backs obviously but he said uh, the defense was a joke but overall coaching left a lot to be desired you know I thought there were a couple of opportunities for Oklahoma to go for it on uh, fourth and short instead of settling for field goals the the very first drive of the game there was a, a fourth and three you know I, I think there um the field goal is a little bit more understandable than than it was at other points, um, but at the same time, you know, I don't think anybody would have blamed him for going for it right there. But the, there's uh, some that really stood out to me that you know w- weren't uh, were a little bit tougher decisions. Uh, fourth and two, uh, early in the second quarter. Um, let's see what was the score at that point the score would have been uh 17 to 7 right i think so um or 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 or, excuse me it was uh 17 17 17 14 at the time the field goal got it to 20 to 14 and then and sorry go ahead oh i was gonna say and then they scored again right and right it was well yeah kansas state took the lead just right there after that after uh the uh the Basquin interception, but um, or or after there was another Kansas State drive there before that, but uh, you know I thought that fourth and two from the Kansas State eight, that's a really good opportunity to go for it right there. If it fails, Kansas State has to go ninety plus yards, and at worst you're down a point. If it succeeds, if you're able to get a touchdown, you're up. Uh, or excuse me, you'd be down, uh, down four points at that point with the touchdown. But uh, if Oklahoma is able to convert that, one, you take more time off the clock. Two, if you score a touchdown there, you're up 24-14, to 14, and all of a sudden this game feels more like control. Oklahoma was controlling the early part of this game, and then it all spiraled out of control. I think it started with that first drive in the second quarter, where Kansas State comes down and scores a touchdown and everything goes wrong for Oklahoma from the cornerback spot with Parnell Motley's ejection with Trey Brown's penalty on the third and 17. But that uh, 
settling for the field goal right there I thought was the wrong idea. Yeah, and I think, you know, even in the moment, everyone in the press box and kind of everyone on Twitter also was like, why 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 is no U going for it? What's what's the thought process here? And I can't remember did did anyone ask Lincoln about that? Uh, yeah, somebody asked him about it. He said no regrets, basically. Oh, yes, that is when he just gave the no regrets answer, and I thought of that meme. Um, <laughs> no regrets? Yes, um, which is probably why I didn't remember that he said it. Um, yeah, and then I think also, too, the decisions to... Uh, I think some people were thinking that they'd go with the... Uh, we'd see an onside kick a lot sooner than we did. But yeah. I think I think there, though, the choices to kick it deep were probably smart. Uh, yeah, I didn't mind that. You know, I thought the one before that's the one where you could maybe say, hey, let's give an onside kick there um, with, what was it, 536 left, I think, when they scored to cut it to 10. But here's the deal. The defense actually went out and did its job there. Now, they didn't do their job, you know, most of the rest of the day, but they did their job there, got the football back for Oklahoma with a solid chance to, to, to get back in it. So I didn't mind the decision on timing with the onside kick. I just thought they should have uh, tried to punch it in earlier instead of just selling for those field goals. Yeah, I think that they I think that they settled a little too much in the game for sure, and that really, especially early, and that definitely came back to hurt them. All right, so uh, those were the serious questions from uh, for the mailbag segment. We're just going to take a little bit of time, though, to address address the absurd. Vincent oh, from this Twitter. Is a, this is a doozy. Today showed why Stoops stepped down. He finally realized that the Sooners and the Big 12 have a ceiling, and sadly it's lower than the SEC, Clemson, and o- Ohio State. Should Sooners fans finally accept the reality and, and readjust expectations? Um, I would say that that's a little bit of revisionist history in the top half of that tweet. Well, yeah. Um, I, I just... Uh, also... You know, if it wasn't copyrighted, this is where I would play the clip from Billy Madison. Um, what you have just said... I, I, gosh, we're, we're, we're all dumber. Yes, we are all dumber to it. for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> That's how I feel about that. Stoops didn't step down because of that at all. He's never said it. He's never intimated it. Nobody close to him has said it. Nobody close to him has intimated it. It's it's absurd. It's patently absurd. Um, Oklahoma fans shouldn't adjust their expectations. Their, their expectations are high, and rightfully so. They should expect to at least be in contention for a college football playoff spot. I know these losses are frustrating and... and you know, I think for OU fans, for, for fans of teams, it's easy to remember the losses and they sort of eat at you. But almost every team, with very few exceptions, has these kind of losses spread out. And when they happen, sure, you analyze what went wrong and why they sh- shouldn't have gone wrong, what they could have done differently. But it's just the reality of college football. I mean, we've seen that with Georgia losing to South Carolina. You know, we saw it with Wisconsin losing to Illinois. And then yesterday, uh, Sunday, we're recording this podcast on Sunday. On Monday, on Saturday, we saw it with Oklahoma losing to Kansas State. It's just the reality of things. I think as you're more successful, those losses get magnified. But 
you know, he he brings up uh, Clemson. Clemson's had lo- similar losses. The, the loss to Pittsburgh a couple years ago stands out. Ohio State's had similar losses. The loss to Purdue last year stands out. So, and I mean, you know, give OU, me a break. Yeah, and OU OU has beaten Ohio State in recent years, and also beaten out Ohio State in the committee's eyes to make it to the playoff over them. So I don't. I think that. I don't think that they have a ceiling that's below them. I think that they're in the same class as all those teams. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the difference in this year versus a couple of those other OU teams that have made it, and we addressed this on the postgame pod, is uh, the non-conference schedule that boosts their resume. They, they just didn't have that this year. Here's the deal, Not though, for lack of trying, not, though, yeah, as not, we pointed out in the pod. Not for lack of yeah. trying. They're going to have that in the future next year. Uh, they play Tennessee. You know they've got some really good series coming up here with Michigan and and some other high profile teams. Is just sometimes the luck of the draw there on how good those other teams are. But let's take just a second before we uh, wrap this up to uh, answer another theater of the absurd type question. Ray. Oh yes. Why did Oklahoma elevate Riley to head coach for the sake of retaining an offensive coordinator? He's been in over his head since day one. He's clueless when it comes to clock management, and I can't even begin to fathom his philosophy when it comes to the kicking game. I mean, that's like they Lincoln Riley has made the college football playoff as the head coach twice now. He's had yeah. two Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks. Um... He's had, I, I don't know, like a, what, four, five losses? How many losses does he have? It's uh, oh, five probably. Not no, not more. many at all. Yeah, very few. Um, the positives with Lincoln Riley are like he's. People talk every week about him leaving OU to coach the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, uh, yesterday was by the way his fifth loss as a head oh, coach. Oh, I was right. Okay, cool. Um, no, but. There's no disputing that Lincoln Riley is a good head coach and knows what he's doing. Um, I would like to know how many college football games Ray has won as a head coach. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm not a fan of that argument uh, because I think it's... I mean, a, I haven't won any, so... Well, no, but, I, you know, I, I think you can be critical without having done something. That's fair. Which, I mean, you know, I think a lot of people throw that out at sports writers... They also throw it out at, uh, you know, folks on Twitter. You can know how to do something without being able to do it yourself. However, uh, it's absurd. Lincoln Riley's a fantastic football coach. He's obviously a fantastic offensive mind. But I think people forget, you know, in the wake of losses, forget the positives and everything else that's happening. Nobody else has had back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners at quarterback. Um, you know, I only uh, what is it? Only Alabama has been to the playoffs as, as much as OU. So it's absurd uh, to think that it's uh, you know, as Alex Grinch said yesterday when he was talking about this notion that uh, if they didn't practice well uh, or that they didn't practice well going in. And looking back at that, he said, that's low-hanging fruit. That's an easy excuse. It's, you know, it's easy to blame 
uh, Lincoln Riley and, and say something like that when something like this happens. Yes, there were decisions yesterday that uh, <coughs> deserve criticism, and we've criticized them on this podcast. We just talked about the kicking game, you know, some of those decisions, other things like that. But to say Lincoln Riley is over his head is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, there were there were a lot of meltdowns on Twitter yesterday from OU fans, and a few of them, I guess, just happened to find their way into our mentions. Yeah, it happens, but... Uh, it happens every year, it seems. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, we're we're going to wrap it up there. Um, we'll be back a little bit uh, later in the week. I can say will because I can say will. Be, uh, be a part of that one as well. Thank you to the power of tape, um, even if it's not physical tape, even if it's a digital tape in this case. But the SD um, card. We'll be back with another edition of the Sooners Extra podcast. You can listen to our work, read our work every day at Oklahoman.com, every morning in the Oklahoman for the best coverage anywhere, best OU coverage anywhere. The Sooners Extra podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at Zaxby's.com. If you want to be a part of the mailbag segment, you can reach out to us anytime. We don't have to ask, uh, ask for questions. Anytime you have a question, you can reach out to us. I'm on Twitter, at R-Y-A-B-E-R. You can reach me through email, R-A-B-E-R, at Oklahoman.com. Abby? Yes, and I'm on Twitter, at Abby underscore Bitterman, A-B-B-Y underscore B-I-T-T-E-R-M-A-N. And through email, um, A-Bitterman at Oklahoman.com. Or if my da- you're my dad, you can just keep texting me your questions. <laughs> Hey, as long as you keep asking good ones, we'll keep taking the questions, suggestions. But thank you so much for joining us, and look forward to joining you again soon for another ex- episode of the Sooners Extra Podcast.